Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by my brother Andy, as always. This is episode 15, and of course, uh, the season has started. So, luckily, we've been have uh, we've had the luxury to watch some games. Uh, you know, the the off season is always the worst part because even though things get interesting with trades and signings, uh, not watching the games definitely kills, uh, especially after the playoffs. And so, I'm glad that the season's back. I was checking today, and most teams, I think, have played on average eight games. There's some teams who have played nine, and there's a couple of, of other teams that have played only seven. So, um, you know, we're not even that far into the season. It's a small sample size to really judge some of the uh, teams we'll be going over with today. But um, we'll just see, you know, who's who's out of the gate doing really bad and who's out of the gate doing really good that nobody really expected. And uh, maybe we can even look at some players that are popping off that nobody expected them to. Um, I don't know. Did you want to? Uh, do you want to look at some teams now, and or just do? You, do you want to see the overall standings first, just to see where everyone's at? Yeah, whatever you got planned, I'm I'm willing yeah. to go with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to start things off, I'll go through uh, each division, and uh, we'll we'll look at who's leading there. And then in the wild card spots, as I go over the standings, I'll, I'll pick like a, a handful of teams that I, I think are shocking that are outside of the wild card uh, line in each uh, conference as well. So quickly starting with the uh, the Eastern Conference and the Metro Division, Carolina's in first. They're the last undefeated team left. They are 8-0, uh, doing absolutely splendid right now. God's which I'm plan. sure makes you happy. <laughs> God's, God's plan, right? <laughs> Shout out Drake. <laughs> uh, so it's got to make you happy, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Second in that division is the New York Rangers. Third is the Washington Capitals. Uh, the Rangers are 6-2-1 and one with 13 points. Washington is 5-1-3 and three with 13 points. Um, moving to the Atlantic. Florida's number one. They're 8-0-1. Oh, uh, 17 points. I think their first loss came against the Bruins, correct? I believe it was the Bruins that beat uh, in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Buffalo. Shout out Buffalo. They always have a hot October. They're five two one <laughs> uh, with 11 points. They've definitely dipped down in their last couple of games, but you know they're still hot right now. Uh, but you know if every if they played like. Every month was October. This would be yeah. a playoff team. They got to figure out a way to play 82 games in October. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if only they could. Uh, Tampa is number three with a 5-3-1 and one record, also with 11 points. Uh, but the Sabres have a better winning percentage and a couple of other stats. So Plus games that, played. Plus games played, exactly. So that's why Buffalo is second in that division. Uh, the wild card Columbus surprisingly is five three and zero oh, ten points. Uh, they're in the first wild card position, and then the second wild card position, uh, Detroit falls in there with a four three and two record with ten points. Um, so some teams that I will mention that are outside of the line, but again, keep in mind that this is only eight to seven, seven to nine games into the season. You have Toronto, who is three spots. Out of that second wild card uh, spot, they're four, four, and one with nine points. Boston is below Toronto by one spot, so they're four, um, four uh, spots outside of that second wild card. 
with a 4-3 and uh, 0 record with eight points. The New York Islanders are five spots out of the second wild card with a 3-2 and 2 record with eight points. So again, that there's not a lot of separation, obviously. But you know, if the playoffs were to start today, it'd be surprising to see those teams out. And just an honorable mention in this division or this uh, conference, rather, Philadelphia is four-two and one. They're just below Detroit for the second spot, so four-two and one with a uh, uh, nine points. And I threw I threw them in there for the an honorable mention. Record. Yeah, New Jersey has the same record as well. So, you know, those are a couple of teams that are, are right outside of the uh, the wild card spot, even sort of outside divisional spots in the Metro division. Um, overall, I, I, this, this, this conference has definitely, I think, stepped up in the uh, competition. You know, you're seeing Detroit, Columbus, Buffalo, they're starting to New heat York up. Rangers. New York Rangers are too. Um, I've been watching them, man. I've been they, watching the Rangers too. Have you? Nice, dude. I've yeah, been, I, watched, I recently reconnected with Alex. He's a big Rangers fan, so like we game a lot now, and and I definitely have been watching the Rangers almost as like my second team, just so that I can chat with him about them. But man, they're on like they're they're like they're I think one of the most shocking positive teams going on right now for me. I don't really know. I mean, I think yeah, you could throw Buffalo up in the mix, but you know, history tells us that Buffalo is going to fall off soon. So we'll see if they can continue. But what New York Rangers are doing right now is is pretty good. If you're a hockey fan and your team's not great, you don't like watching them, you want to watch a different team, check the Rangers out. I would I would highly recommend it. Yeah, what's what's funny though is the two games that I've watched, I watched them play Dallas and I watched them play Washington. This was earlier in the season as well. They were both losses. So you know, I, I did get to see them play, but of course they ended in, in losses. I think that's just my Buffalo rubbing off on, on the Rangers there, my <laughs> Buffalo fandom. <laughs> but uh, no, I have watched a couple of games from the Rangers. I've watched a couple of Buffalo games as well. Um, I'm definitely surprised with the Rangers. I think the key to their success so far has been goaltending. Um, Georgiev is definitely wonky at times, um, but Shesterkin has has provided them with uh, consistency, especially with uh, losing arguably one of their best goaltenders in Lundqvist. It's good to see that uh, uh, Shesterkin has kind of taken that role over and, and solidified that goaltender's position. I'm sure he makes a lot of Rangers fans happy. Um, and I think that's that's the reason why they're succeeding a lot as well, because they've always had a, a great offense when you look at their roster. Uh, Chris Kreider is a huge power play um, point producer, whether it's goals or assists. He's huge. Um, Panarin and Zabinajad, of course, they're a pair that go well together that you know provide a lot of offense for them. So they've had that solid offensive core. Their defensive core, you know, it, it, it's been lackluster at times they've lost some big names like mcdonough girardi but you know they, they've added adam fox to it they lost tony d'angelo but overall i think their decor is is solid and like i said shesterkin has definitely i think lifted them uh to the to the threshold that they've needed to pass as far as goaltending went
Um, another shocking team, though, is Columbus in my eyes as well. Uh, a, a lot of people predicted Columbus to just fall flat in that Metro division. And, you know, I think that that will come soon. But so far, they've they've definitely impressed, um, considering that they over the years they've lost Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne for a short period of time, um, and, and just the, and they were getting they got beat up too early. I mean, they yes. played us early, I think, and and we we handled them easily. That was a game where they, I believe, they scored first, and then we essentially just took the game back and that was it it was over for them and they're a team that i feel can they're more susceptible to having a rough trend whether it's short term or long term Uh um dependent like especially if they're like hit like that hard in the beginning of the season they're they're sort of a team that likes to run a comeback if anything so to to see them not get down like that right now yet I hope they don't. I'd like to see them keep going. Uh, so as long as they can keep headstrong there and not yeah. take the losses too personally, which, you know, like I said, they haven't done so yet. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that success can be um, attributed to uh, the coach. The coach, yeah. You know, yeah, with, I don't know. Uh, Torts being gone and their short success, like I said, there's only – eight or seven games that have been played by some of these teams. It's very early to predict, but you know, how much of that success can be uh, geared towards leaving uh, or parting ways with Tortorella, you know, who knows? Cause I, from what I heard from Columbus Jack, Columbus blue jackets fans, they weren't uh, big on their, uh, their current head coach. They didn't like him. They felt like he would, he was pretty similar uh, to a Tortorella, you know, cause really? I think he had been serving time under Tortorella for, you know, a bit. So it's almost like he could have just, uh, yes, you know, picked up where Tortorella left off, which I don't think people were a fan of. Yeah, that's a good um, point. But I, I got some teams I want to look at. But before I do uh, in this division, I'll just look at uh, Detroit just because they're in that second wild card spot. And I know you predicted them to make the playoffs. And so I thought I'd shout them out here. Um, oh, they're in that second you. wild card spot. Yeah, I was in our preseason, in our preseason predictions. He had him in, I think in the fourth spot in the Atlantic over, uh, I want to say Toronto. Um, and the only, the, the one player I'm going to look at here, I'm sure you know who, where I'm going with this is uh, Nadelkovich. Yeah. yeah he, he has five games played. He's four. No, I'm sorry. What's this? Oh, game start. He has four games started uh, with one win and one loss. That doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, but his his Did goals against average... halfway through some games or something. Yeah, that that must have been because his his games played is registered as five, but his games started is registered at four. But it it doesn't. Okay. It's weird. Maybe he's gotten pulled in games. That's that might be what it be. Um, but he's got a 327 uh, goals against average and his save percentage is 900. So, you know, not not the Nadelkovich we were used to seeing in Carolina, that's for sure. Uh, and well, to be fair, know, he doesn't have the defense that he had right. in Carolina either. Right, and that was going to be my next point. Is you know, here's the thing he he's still looking good. He's still looking like what he was 
if he stayed in Carolina, he'd be he'd be getting elevated for sure. But he's a good goalie. I mean, as you can see where where Detroit is in the rankings or in the in the standings, even though Nedeljkovic I think is one and one. Um, there's a lot to be said for for his presence. Uh, specifically, I want to go to I think their second game of the season. They played Tampa. I was watching hockey that night, and I think Carolina, Carolina's game was either over, like score wise, or it was definitely over from the time, timekeeping standpoint. And I did see at the bottom ticker, uh, Detroit was up with like I think fifteen or ten minutes left in the um, third. They were up by like two against Tampa Bay, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, so I flipped it over there, and it just like it it just sort of imploded right after that. It's tough because Tampa is a team that no matter how down they are, which I'm going back to the game now, they scored one of three goals. Thirteen forty three was the first of three in the third to mount the comeback to tie it up. It was three to six prior to that, and. Yeah. It's it's tough because, you know, Nedeljkovic was in the crease at that point. Maybe that was a game where um, he ended up coming in later in the game. I don't know. Um, but even though those goals were getting let in at such a pace that they were, he was remaining calm. He was remaining um, poised. And it at least carried them into overtime. It, it, it turned a, a sticky, a messy situation. It's an early game in the season. So one way you can look at it is you still mustered out that point. And after all, it is Tampa Bay. Um, they're going to put up a fight with 30 seconds left on the board if there's two goals to be had because they're a team that can score with that that level of frequency. Um, yeah. So Nadalkovich, just hang in there. Let Detroit begin this rebuild. Let them start filling in the holes that, that he uh, lost from leaving Carolina. And that team is still going to be able to keep keep it together. I think this season. I don't think I don't see them falling off anytime soon in the standings. But hey, it's probably just like the stock market, right? I can't predict it. Who knows what happens? <laughs> right. And the other thing too is, is like early in the season, there's always a lot of high scoring games. True. Um, yeah. For whatever the case may be, if the guys are rusty, or if they're amped up to finally play. Whatever the case may be, early um, games are almost always high scoring. Uh, sometimes it's even attributed to uh, referees and officials calling a lot of penalties. And then as the season plays out, they start to call less and less. Um, so that's that's a reason why sometimes these games can just be wild. Um, and I actually watched that game, too. I was watching a huge chunk of that game. That was, I think, on the same night that. I was watching either the New York Rangers Dallas game or the New York Rangers um, Capitals game. I forget which night, but whenever that game, um, whenever that game went into a commercial break, I'd switch it to the uh, Detroit game because it was just a wild game. And I saw Detroit go up 4-1 on a beautiful uh, tic-tac-toe play on the power play. And I thought, okay, like (laughs) I think Detroit's got this game. And then they went up six to three, and I'm like, they definitely have this game. And then I find out they ended up losing seven to six in overtime, and it's just like, <laughs> that's just wild. 
but you know you're right it, it's tampa bay they're a team that's that has so much firepower it's hard to keep all of them <clears throat> in check and that was back when kucherov was still playing we're now in yes <laughs> yes i believe so i believe he went out against the capitals it was one of those games yeah. um but now I'm going to go into a, a couple of teams that have uh, sh- definitely shocked me with the way they've played so, so far. I just wanted to take a pause, if you don't mind. Yeah, go go for it. Go for it. Did you want to finish? You you only summarized the divisions in the East. Did you want to finish that for the whole conference or for the whole league? Or are we just sticking to the East for now? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the East for now, and then we'll go into the uh, Western right. Conference. Yeah. Um. So three teams that have shocked me uh, in the East so far, like I said, that are out of playoff spots. Um, I'll first go into the New York Islanders. I picked them uh, because this is a team I thought that had the potential to win the Metro division. Uh, I know in my season predictions, and I think even in yours, Andy, you you and I both picked the Islanders uh, to finish first in the Metro division. And looking at their player stats overall, uh, you know, they have Josh Bailey, who leads them in points. He's got seven games played with five points, one goal. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, seven games played four goals for four points. Barzell and uh, Beauvillier, they both have the same exact stats. Seven games played, three goals, one assist for four points. Um, I mean, th- these are this is a team that I think has a lot more in them. Uh, I know, like I said, it's only eight games into the season. I'm sure we're going to start seeing them ramp up. Uh, but as of right now, I was definitely shocked to see that they are so far out of out of a playoff spot. Um, and, you, you know, looking at the uh, production, you, you got to get more out of Barzell. Uh, you know, in seven games, he only has four points. Um, I feel like we're still sort of we're still waiting on his breakout season. It's not to say he's not a superstar, but I feel like people have hyped up Barzell to be very good. Um, He did win the Calder Trophy in his rookie year, but that was partly due because um, McDavid went out with an injury uh, in his rookie season. So Barzell was awarded the uh, Calder. Um, But I feel like since then, I really haven't seen much from Barzell to label him, you know, in the same category as an Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, or, you know, big name players like that. Um, and, you know, goaltending Sorokin's played every single game. He's three and two, 226 save percentage, um, which is not bad. It's pretty good. I would say it's pretty average. His save percentage is really good, though. It's a 931. That's definitely above league average. Um, but it, you can clearly tell their issue isn't goaltending. It's definitely scoring, which has been their issue for a while. Um, they've been a great team overall, but in past seasons, they are almost always mid to low um, rankings as far as goals for goals against. They're always, man, I feel like they're always in the top 10, top five, but goals for they're, they're like, like a very average team. They are almost a one for one team. I've It's funny you mentioned this. I And I found this out just randomly like a few years ago, and I've been noticing it as the years have gone on, but New York, New York Islanders are a very low margin winning team. You're right. Their, their issue is scoring because they can't just score at whim like Tampa Bay can, but conversely, they usually keep enough of them out that 
those low scoring games sort of work in their favor. I was just looking at their special teams. Their power play is at 20%. I think it's like middle of the pack as far as rankings. It's, yeah, literally 15th, tied 15th at 20%. Um, their penalty kill is 85%. It's in the top 10. Because uh, I know that that was the first game that they played against us. I think they were 0 for 3 on the power play, and we were 2 for 5. So it looks like they bounced back from that. Um, and that isn't the issue. It, it is. They do need more goal production, especially when they go against teams like the Tampas, like the Floridas, the Hurricanes. Um, you know, those teams that do put up big numbers that average probably three or four goals a game um, during the regular season. You're not going to be able to keep those teams off the board like you will during the regular or during the postseason. Um, so those goals do become at a, those goals do start to become a premium, especially if guys are struggling like Barzal is. Um, who else did you mention? No, is uh, uh, Beauvillier. Beauvillier, Bailey. thank you. We even Nelson. Nelson has uh, four points in seven games, two apiece. Okay. Oh, I thought he was doing a little better. That's why. I stopped. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they've been they've been struggling, and you know what? I think Trotz. I don't want to say like Trotz is the issue here. I just it, to me, he looked really frustrated during our game, and I think it was the first game of the season. And it might have been like you know maybe some soft calls because there have been really soft calls in some of our yeah. games. Not only that, there's been a good. Uh, just quantity of calls ma- being made for both sides. Uh, so probably maybe that was frustrating him. Right. Um, but, you know, it's the first game of an 82 game regular season with four set, uh, four best of sevens on the back end of it. If you make out, if you make it uh, out well in the regular season. Yeah. So Trotz, Trotz just needs to calm down a little bit. Get his, you know, get that team back in that rhythm uh, during the uh, the the regular season, and I haven't really looked at their schedule. Have they had a pretty stacked one? I know they opened uh, against us. Yeah, so let me tough. let me quickly look that up for you. I was going to go over while I look at the schedule. Their leading scorer is a defenseman with four goals. Ooh, so, okay. You know, it's it's kind of sometimes you don't see that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you don't want to see it. Okay, so they play the Devils, Flyers, Rangers, Carolina, Florida. Uh, Chicago, Columbus, Arizona, Vegas, and uh, Nashville so far. They have okay, so that's yet, a pretty yeah. wide range of, of opponent skill yeah. base. Yeah, definitely a lot of like divisional games. Um, but you know that division, the Metro is getting more and more competitive, especially with the way uh, the Devils, Rangers, and and the Flyers have been playing so far. So yeah. you know you, you got to make I sure mean, you win those games. It is. People are saying it's one of the most top to bottom, one of the toughest divisions, top to bottom. Um, Especially, like you said, when you got teams like New York Rangers and the Flyers who are putting together some pretty nice starts here, it's going to make for a full 18 fight for those top three positions, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I think New York just needs to solve their scoring issue. You know, and if, if they did that this season, this is a team that can definitely rise to the top 
uh, no doubt in my mind that it's it's held them back in both uh, 2020 in the postseason and 2021. You know, they came up against the uh, Lightning t- uh, twice and they fell flat twice. Uh, and you can definitely attribute that to um, scoring as a whole. You know, the goaltender can only do so much on the other end of the ice. Um, but, you know, if you can't put a puck in the net, it doesn't matter how good your goaltender is. You know, especially if you're playing a team against, especially if you're playing a team like the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if New York can start ramping up in the scoring department, that's a team that I think can get over this sort of off-kiltered uh, slump that they've had yeah. and and get back into the swing of things, which, uh, which will bring me into the next uh, team that I've picked out. And I picked this team out uh, not because they're, you know, they always seem to be under the spotlight no matter what, if they're good or bad. But because this team is typically known as a very good regular season team, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I know that, you know, they they uh, they fell flat this past uh, postseason, going up uh, 3-1 in a series and then ending up losing in seven games against Montreal. Um, but typically the Toronto Maple Leafs are, are a regular season team. That's why they don't perform in the playoffs. And to see them get off to the start that they've had right now, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's concerning if I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but when you start looking at their player stats, it definitely gets, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just, and not only just not, it's not just about the player stats. It's the amount of money that is invested in those stats. Yes. Um, Has Marner scored yet? Um, I don't believe so. I don't think he has. No, he does. He, he's got a goal. He does. He's got a goal. Okay. All right. And then what's Matthew at? Is he still at one? He or? is. Wow, I have to go far down the list. He still has only one. Okay. So your two highest paid players are a combined two goals on the season for what? At least seven games. Nine. Nine. Not more. Nine. They, okay. are, they are the team that's played more. Nine games more than the average. It's that is concerning. I, I think uh, I would be very concerned looking at Toronto. Um, it, it, like I said, it's a lot of money tied up with with these stats, and these stats are so abysmal that those contracts are not they're not going to be um, sought after. If they can't put something together and make it to the playoffs, they're they're not going to be able to unload those contracts come the mm-hmm. trade deadline. Right. Nobody's going to want those the, those uh, salary cap hits. No. And I'll, I'll quickly add their salary caps together to give uh, people an idea of – oops, sorry, to give people an idea of how much they're worth combined. Now, I'm going to add Morgan Riley to this as well because he recently just got a contract um, with the Toronto Maple Leafs to, for an extension. But – the, these people combined combined for a lot of money. Um, Tavares, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner, and William Nylander. Those guys were the four guys that, if you added their salary caps up, made it so that way four guys had uh, $40 million, roughly. But now if you add ah. Morgan Riley's contract, they're near $47,000. Uh, sorry, $47 million. Is roughly. that his extension? 
Are you going off yes, his yeah. extension yep, money? His extension. His extension. He got extended. Because does that hit yet? Is he still getting paid his yet. old rate right now? Yeah. So he's getting paid $5 million right now. Okay. Uh, but he got a raise of $2.5 million. So he's make, he'll next starting seven next season, quarter. he'll have seven and a half. Oh, seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you got four or five guys tying up 50% of your franchise's buying power. Yeah. And it's and to your point, those those contracts are not going to be sought after. They are not sought after right now. I would wow. argue that John Tavares is probably the worst looking one right now. I mean, Austin Matthews, he's been a performer ever since he's been with the Leafs. Sure, he's struggling this season, but yeah. you know, you can't put the blame on that guy. That guy's had so many uh thirty plus goal seasons when you look at his stats, it's like blaming it's him. Four for, goals in his first game, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, his debut. <laughs> I think that even set a record, if not broke a record for I think a debut. I want to say tied. I want to say it tied as well. Um, we yeah, up. quickly looking at his stats, he's never scored less than 34 goals in a season. Yeah. So he'll come, you, you know, got to he, figure he'll come around, but he will. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even worried about him. I am mainly worried about math. Uh, sorry, not Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and those those two guys because they're another chunk of the cap that's taken way too much. I mean, when you look at it, Tavares' age is playing into it too. Now. Yes. Yep. yep. I was gonna say Spezza alone has more goals than uh, Mitch and Austin combined. He's got three, <laughs> and he's, and he's, he's number three. Minimum. Yeah. He, he doesn't even make a million dollars, dude. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not. Um, but that that's 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 definitely concerning if you're a Leafs fan. Um, they've added a lot of depth this season with Kasha, with Nick Ritchie, Kampf being added, uh, Michael Bunting being added, who's been a great addition for them so far. Uh, goaltending, you could. You could look at goaltending and make maybe make an argument there um, as to why they're struggling. I wouldn't agree. Uh, Jack Campbell has pretty good stats: three wins, two losses, one overtime loss uh, for a 2.31 goals against average and a 9.18 save percentage. Morazic, you can definitely say he's been subpar since joining the Leafs. Uh, he's a one in one record right now with a 4.20 shout out uh, goals against average. <laughs> And uh, 877 save percentage. You know, both of those are his save percentage is below league solid average. Solid against average are yeah, solid right stats. On, right <laughs> so think about that. Can't blame him. You know, is, if Campbell's in the net on average, it, the score against you is going to be 2.3 goals, yeah. and you have Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Jonathan Tavares, and you can't win those games. Like yeah. That is a concern. It very much is. And, and on top what? of this, who knows what it's doing to Campbell? Because you're playing your mind out as a goalie, and yet your offense can't produce in front of you. That can get frustrating. That can get yeah. very debilitating mentally as a goaltender. So you yeah. hope he holds in strong, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I also want to make a point here to, to wrap things up here. Um, remember when William Nylander was holding out for his contract negotiations and, uh, you know, he came back and he was scoreless and, oh my gosh, I want to say it was like his first 14 games or so, something like that. And people were like, you know, 
why would you, you know, they're yelling at Dubas, like Dubas, why would you pay him that money? What are you holding out for? Uh, you know, I will say that his contract of the big four that they've had has probably um, aged the best. Uh, I think he's getting paid like 7 million range. Okay. So it's 6.9, 6.926. So, you know, very close to seven and another shout out another shout out. And the, this guy is, he's playing consistently. He's got three goals with three assists, six points. It's a very well-rounded stat line right there. You know, not too uh, top heavy on goals and not too top heavy on assists. He's very flat rate. Um, it's what you want to see out of these guys, especially if they make that much money. And Nylander, his contract is probably the only one uh, that looks or at least will be deemed tradable. Um, I, I think you I think I proposed the question in a group chat that I have with Ryan, Greg, our cousin and you, Andy. Um, it's our podcast chat. And I, I proposed uh-huh. a question. I'm like. Somebody, I, I think I asked, I'm like, who would you trade if you're the least right now? Because concern is definitely starting to um, sink in. And, you know, somebody said, I think somebody said Mitch Marner and John Tavares. I forget who. But when it came to I me, I said. it was Mitch Marner. Right, right. I think even Greg was too. But when it got to me, I was just like, I would trade William Nylander and Morgan Riley. Because it's the only two contracts right now that are A, marketable, and B, uh, you know, the players at least produce for their price range. You know, it's the only dude, ones you can move. Yeah, and dude, I pulled it up. You're nailing it. <laughs> <clears throat> so I said, you said they got to start making trades. And then I said, give me two you want to see happen right now. And then, yeah, Ryan said dump Marner. They got to dump Marner's contract. The guy obviously isn't a good fit in Toronto. <laughs> And then you said Riley has to go. He'll go. He'll get a good return for them, and they won't have to retain salary cap. Next trade is Nylander. Again, you're going to get good return on him, and his contract looks solid right now. So Leafs don't retain and get return. Moving to Veras or Marner just isn't possible. Nobody wants those contracts, and you'd have to retain on them to even begin talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking, man. If you if you're Kyle Dubas. If you Kyle Dubas and you're marketing Mitch Marner or John Tavares, if you don't tell the other GM on the line, no matter who it is, that you're going to retain salary or you're willing to retain a certain percentage, that phone is going to the deadline. Click, yeah. <clears throat> they are there. Nobody's going to stay on the Dial line. Time. Nobody is willing to pick up a, a 10 million plus contract with no salary cap, no matter what the return is. Um, so to to wrap up with the Leafs, their top guys have got to start producing. Um, th- this team all around, I feel like every year it changes, they get more depth, but what doesn't change is their top four, either they can produce or they can't produce. I mean, there's games where I'm, I'm willing, I'm waiting to see them play the Sabres. Cause, um, I, I know the Sabres are going to start teetering out and getting, you know, worse and worse. Uh, but right now I'd like to see them play the Sabres right now. And if it's a close game, like a 3-2 overtime win for the Leafs, I would be concerned because with the lineup that they have, that's a team you should be 5-1, 5-2 on any given. Yeah, yeah. You should mow the Sabres down with, yes. these, with yeah. this roster. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And you know you know another team that is very, very paralleled to Toronto right now is Boston. They're also a team that is stuck on their top three, the pasta, 
Marshawn and Berg and Patrice Bergeron, exactly. Hall to an extent as well, but Hall is at least earning his keep, I think. To, for me, it really starts with, I mean, it has to start with Pasternak. He's a young gun. Um, he, he should be your automatic. Uh, he should be a guy who's automatic. Marshawn and Bergey are starting to get old. They're starting to age. Um, and Marshawn's a little guy. And when when older, when older little guys begin to age, they, it, they get beat up a lot. They get roughed around a little harder. Um, so he's being contained. I, I, I really think after you speaking like this about Toronto, I feel Boston is in a very similar situation. But um, to your point, everybody goes to talk about Toronto instead of Boston, you know? Yeah, but the, it's there's definitely a parallel between the two. Um, I just don't think but, that Boston gets a lot of, uh, and, you know, notoriety because their contracts are better. Yeah, they haven't sunk the money into right. those guys. You're right. right. That That is yeah. a good distinction to make. But, right. like, aside from the money, the two teams are in very similar situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just quickly looking at the Bruins, their top five does include Brad Marchand and Pasternak uh, with Patrice Bergeron being the sixth. It goes Marchand with eight points, Charlie Coyle with uh, five, Taylor with five, Pasternak with five, and then Coyle, uh, sorry, not Coyle, McAvoy with three points. Patrice Bergeron has three okay. points, but he's – so technically he's tied for fifth, actually. So he, he is in the um, – top five but yeah you're right you know once those guys age depth definitely becomes an issue uh for those guys uh and you know i'll always hit this note when we mention the bruins but jake debrusque if you do your research on that guy (laughs) um we, we were actually having this conversation the other day if you look at the 2015 um entry level draft for the nhl it's arguably I think it's the best uh, entry-level draft we've had since the um, salary cap era. And then on top of that, you could even argue it's the best draft class to exist. But to quickly run it – yeah, to to quickly run through it, um, Boston found themselves through trades to have the 13th, 14th, and 15th pick in that draft. They ended up drafting (laughs) – I can't even do it with a straight face, man. Uh, they drafted Zaboral at 13th, Debrusque at 14th, and Seni, Seni Shin at 15th. Um, and they could have, like, the next three picks, the next three picks were Matthew Barzell, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. And yeah, those are guys that you would easily take. If you were Don Sweeney, you would easily take those guys in a row. Because hindsight's twenty twenty, exactly. They they miss those guys. They could they they could those could be the three guys that could replace Brad Marchand, Pasternak, and and Bergeron when they leave. <laughs> there you, know? you go, man. Like there it is. There it is. But they really wanted Zaboral, Debrusque, and Seneshin really badly. We'll have, to, we'll have to go to a uh, an alternate universe to to find <laughs> out. If it, yeah. if it worked out yeah that if whenever that technology comes around and people are like oh man <laughs> what what about the uh you know timeline where i'm a millionaire or i'm a celebrity i'm not doing any of that i'm going like where's the timeline that boston drafted those three guys is that is there a <laughs> yeah, that, that's true that is true <laughs> um but 
Yeah, tagging the Bruins into the Leafs is 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 um a very smart parallel, uh, and it's a good observation because both of them are uh, you know very similar in standings. I think I said previously when I went through them, uh, Toronto is just a spot above Boston. So yeah, and Boston it's a good parallel. The best games played. That's all. Yep. Yeah, good parallel to bring up. Uh, and then the the last team I'll mention in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, and then we'll move on to the Western Conference, is uh, Montreal. Uh, and I, I picked this team and partly because if Andy said so. Uh, I had my eye on another <laughs> team, but Andy did bring a, up a good point. This is a team that did make it to the Stanley Cup final uh, just this past season. So to see them struggling this uh, badly is definitely concerning. Uh, I know that they're missing Shea Weber and Carey Price, two big uh, proponents of their success. Kakaniemi, yep, yep. <laughs> Colt, of course, okay. he, you know, he he had the game winner in Game Six against the Leafs that sent it to Game Seven. That was his first overtime. goal, dude. That was his first goal yes. as a Hurricane, too. That was that was epic. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I knew um, it. It was a deflection goal. I knew it as soon as it went in. I was like, "That's Kokaniemi. It's, it's his first goal of the season. You can mark it." And you know, Mike Mike Maniscalco is screaming for. I think it might have been Pesci who took the shot. It was a defenseman who took the shot, and he's like, "Oh, and, and Pesci wins the game." And I'm like, "No, sir, no." And then they started celebrating, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know that's his goal now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough was to watch cool. the sport live. You know, it's it's very tough. I can't blame Manistalkel, but it, it is is hard to pick up. But once you see the reviews, I'm sure those guys feel so dumb, for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah, but I think yeah, but they are also watching it like from the booth. They don't have a television in front of them. Yeah, so exactly. I didn't get that, but exactly. But nah, it was um, very fitting for him to to score his first one like that. I think. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> So, so sorry, I didn't. No, mean no, to you're good. Bog you up like that. It's it's fine. It's just so poetic. It feels like you know because everybody <laughs> was making fun of the Kakiniemi, um, uh, what's it called offer, offer sheet, and everybody sheet? was like, yeah. "Why would you sign him?" Again, it was it was a one year deal, and yes, if you guys wanted to re-sign him, you'd have to qualify him at what is it, six million dollars, um. No, and, and people were he, freaking out about that. The way it is, is he's in his last year of his entry-level contract. So you can offer sheet him before he goes either to free agency or the team he's with re-signs him. Right, so but I think that if you guys were to re-sign him, you'd have to qualify him at the $6 million. Oh, oh, I see what yeah. you mean. Okay, yeah. my bad, my bad. No, you're good, you're good. Um, <coughs> but yeah, anyway, Montreal, they're 2-8. and eight. So they played 10 games. They're the, mo- they're the team that only has played 10 games. If I uh, actually know Anaheim and Chicago have played 10 as yeah. well, but they're two and eight. They are absolutely terrible right now. And like I said, they did lose Weber and price. So, you know, a big proponent of their success in the playoffs, but you know, losing those two guys not- should be able to rebound. Yeah. Um, Shea Weber is not the Shea Weber that we knew him when he was a predator. And that's a Nashville predator, by the way. And we also didn't know. We, we didn't know that Jake Allen would be as, as good as he is. I mean, he had been a backup pretty much his whole career. Right. And when price went down, I mean, he had been struggling too with, with, uh, 
you know, age and success lately. It was just he found his game during the playoffs and he just went off. But since losing him, I don't think Jake Allen's been a bad replacement. Um, you know, he's played eight games. He's two and six. But his goals against average are not as bad as you think. He's 2.91, and his save percentage is 907. Um, you know, it, it is a bad look. It's not what you'd want to see in a goaltender. But a goaltender that's 2-6 and six with those stats, I mean, I'd take that him is, all day. That is a, a feat in and of itself, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good uh, save percentage for, for struggling that hard in the, in the record category. Yep. Looking at their top forwards, Drew Ann coming back from, you know, personal leave, it sounded like. Ten games played, two goals, five assists for seven points. Josh Anderson's number three, uh, sorry, number two, with two goals, three assists for five points. Uh, Suzuki only has five assists. Hoffman has four goals, no no assists. Um, I, I like the additions they made in the offseason. I really like the addition of Josh Anderson. It wasn't during the off season. It was during a trade deadline, but I did like that uh, acquisition, I believe uh, when they traded a one for one Anderson Domi, I think may have been picks involved. Mike Hoffman was a, again, that was a uh, free agent signing. I believe Matthew Parole was also a uh, free agent signing. Um, and then Christian Dvorak right here. Like he was also another addition they made. And I loved those additions. But something about this team just they aren't there. And if you look at Jeff they, Petrie. I was gonna say not to not uh, just so that we don't miss it, it is a little bit big news, but Caulfield was just sent down mm-hmm. to the AHL. So yep. let's see if that sparks something for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, continue. I didn't know you were gonna skip that. No, I was I was gonna it was perfect because I was actually going to have mentioned something funny too. Now, now that you brought it up, uh, but the only person <laughs> I was going to mention was Jeff Petrie. Uh, he only has one assist for one point, um, which I know at a certain. How point, do his eyes look? <laughs> yeah, right. It's <laughs> trying to give him. Uh, oh my gosh, what do they give him? Too many painkillers. That's why. He, uh, yeah. Something like that, I think. I forget the story. It was like Advil or... Yeah, I think it was a painkiller. Right, like they gave him a painkiller and it, it popped the... And it the, thinned uh, his blood or something. Yeah, it thinned his blood. <laughs> but they need the Jeff Petrie in Vegas. What was it, game two? They need him yeah, back. they do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but those are the players that are sticking out to me, like sore thumbs. Brennan Gallagher, too. Nine games played, one goal and one assist. Um, Gallagher's time, I, I think... To your point with Marshan, that's happening to him. His age and his size is just diminishing. I mean, he cannot keep up with certain players anymore. His sort of – they both play a pest sort of style game. Mm -hmm. And when you play that, you're definitely going to be a target. And the older you get and the more you get hit over time, you're just going to wear yourself out. So I think it's definitely happening to him. Um. On a side note, the Cole Caulfield being sent down, I don't know if this was a jab by Mark Bergeron, but he he was sent down and he made it so that way the team photo 
uh, yeah. involved Cole Caulfield. I wasn't sure if you were going to mention. I, I opened yeah. the app when you were doing the intro. I opened Instagram and saw that. Yeah. But he made made it in time for, quote, picture day. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a message to uh, Caulfield by Bergevin. I got to imagine it is, but that has just got to be insulting in for Cole Caulfield, especially for the way he played during the playoffs. But, you know, credit to uh, the Canadians for not being a, not like, um, what's the word? Like not panicking or not rushing somebody. Like if they're not ready, they're just going to send them down. You know, there's some teams that are, aren't willing to do that with certain prospects I and they just kind mean. of fizzle out. You know, sometimes it's, it's not big news if say you send somebody down if they really need it. And then when they come back, they explode, you know, right. like for the Kings, for example, they're not rushing Quinton Byfield. The ducks aren't rushing Trevor Zgrass. You know, they're taking their time with those guys because they, they see a lot of talent in them and they don't want to rush them uh, into a league that they're not ready to play in yet. Yeah. The Canes um, have been doing that with, with guys like. Yes. Steven Lorenz. Um, Seth Jarvis just got his first start recently. It, it is it, that's a good point to be made. It, there is a certain value in not <clears throat> not pushing those guys uh, past too far past their limit too early in yep. their career. Yeah, and like just to quickly look at it, there's a lot of teams that we've gone over with Toronto, New York, Montreal that don't even have a player that's a point per game yet, and. You know, it just goes into the the sort of offense, the lack of offense that all these teams share. Um, again, their their leading scorer is Mike Hoffman, who has four goals. Outside of that, there's not much scoring happening. Um, there's a guy with three, it's Perot, and then after that, it's two and one none. And scoring is a huge issue for a lot of these teams so far. In early this season, it's concerning because, like I said. And, and the point that we made earlier is earlier in the season, that's when you see a lot of the scoring. You know, sometimes you see a touchdown being scored on some teams, like we saw against uh, uh, Tampa Bay and, and Detroit. They both dropped a, a touchdown on each other. It just so happened that um, Tampa made their extra kick while the point Detroit after. <laughs> missed it. While Detroit missed it. Um, but, you know, you, you, you typically see a lot of scoring early, which is concerning because later on in the season is Montreal going to be that team that only is known to only score um, one or two goals a game. And if they score three on an off night, they give up five goals. You know, that's, that's the sort of boat that they're, they're in right now. And it's not a good boat to be in this early in the season too. Yeah. Um, you know, but with that being said, Montreal has just got to rough the storm here. I mean, You'd wish that Carey Price and Weber are in, but if I'm being honest, I don't think those two guys being in make a huge difference in this difference. I don't think it really lineup. changes. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think it changes the course right now. I, I don't think I don't think that's going to be the short term move right. that makes immediate change. Right. You know, it, it's it's more. Who knows what it is? Maybe it's it's a mental thing. Maybe it's a a coach thing. I, I don't know what it is, but um, it, it might even, you know, like it might even be a little bit the GM because the GM seems like a pretty, he's a pretty charismatic guy. He, you know, you see him in the, in the um, 
box and he always has a pretty eccentric suit on and he's got the long hair and he's a pretty rowdy looking guy at times and you know he was playing the jokes sort of on Seattle leaving Carey Price open and that whole fiasco yeah. plus the offer sheet they made on Aho and now it's almost like karma seems to be coming around on him Mm-hmm. More or less, where like, right? Yeah, Price and Weber are gone now, and guess what? The Canes like did you one dirty, and swept Cockneyemi right out from underneath your feet because you had no cap space to actually make the guy the offer that the Canes did. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, to works. me, it seems almost like karma is sort of sort of coming back. At, at least the GM, maybe not the franchise, but the GM, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it's almost like. Um like guilt by association where you know True. the players the players are like the good they're the good kids they they try not to do anything wrong but they just they hang around Bergeron a guy that's just bad and you know they they get tagged along as uh, you know into that you know they're good kids but they get tagged along in trouble cuz they hang out with them yeah. that's how i feel and that's yeah. what's happening in in this sort of karma dilemma um you know and it's good points by you i forgot that he did some of the trolling that he did, and to a certain extent, I think he's sort it, of paying it, for it. Yeah, he's he's definitely paying for it. Um, you know, especially losing Carey Price for the whole season, he's not coming back. And I think Weber right now, it could be a career-ending injury, whatever it is. So it is, yeah. It's it's, it's definitely it's definitely karma catching up for Bergevin. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Montreal and. and those teams as the season moves on, you know, we'll see what happens if they can improve or not, but that'll bring us now to the Western uh, conference. And like I said, quickly going through the divisions, we have St. Louis who's number one in the central division. They're six and one with 12 points, Winnipeg four, two and two with 10 points. And Minnesota is third in the central with uh, five wins, three losses for 10 points. The Pacific division um, Edmonton's first with a 7-1 record for 14 points. Calgary's number two with a 6-1-1 record for 13 points. San Jose is 5-3 with uh, 10 points to, to be third in the uh, Pacific. And then your wild cards right now are Anaheim with a 3-4-3 three, three record uh, for nine points. And Nashville with a 4-4 four four record of eight points. Um, Anaheim has definitely... <laughs> Definitely a cashing in on their overtime losses to gain them some points. Um, you know, if they won those games, they could be in a they could be in a really good position actually in that Pacific Division. But regardless, um, teams I did not name, which might stick out, are Colorado, Vegas, Dallas. Um, those are three teams that I feel like uh, you know you typically hear when you're going over the uh, standings as far as the playoffs go. Um, especially with with the lineups that some of them have. Dallas, though, I, I just don't know what's going on with Dallas. Um, I was, yeah. You know, I was this was a team. Th- this was a team that was in the Cup two years ago, and now they mm-hmm. just they cannot seem to even get up to a wild card status. Yeah, yeah, they definitely took a hit from that playoff run. They just haven't. I think it's it's only been one playoff since, but yeah, just judging off of their early season lack of success, um, it's not the worst record though. You know, three, no. four, and one is more or less a five hundred 
Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, definitely Anaheim is a bit, uh, not shocking, but surprising to yes. say the least. Yep. St. Louis had a really nice start. They did. They were undefeated at least until five wins. I don't know if they had the sixth undefeated win. Um, so they're starting it off nice. Winnipeg definitely starting it off nice. They're hanging in there with the four, two, and two. Yeah, other than Anaheim and Colorado, uh, other than Anaheim playing outplaying <laughs> their previous season and Colorado <laughs> and Vegas underplaying. Yes. Their previous season. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty, you know, standard Western Conference, I think. Yeah, I think the only other honorable mention I would have given was San Jose being third yep. in the Pacific. I just I was looking you, at that, ironically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you could definitely mention them, you know, to be surprising so far. Because uh, especially we, with the issues with Kane that was happening yeah. during the offseason, they yeah. could have had a pretty bad start for sure. Yeah, yeah. They they bounce back for sure, um, and and they've been doing stellar so far, which you know good for them. They're playing Buffalo tonight, so you know if you guys if you want to see must watch hockey, it's San Jose Buffalo tonight at ten thirty Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but uh, it's, it's I, I pick Colorado and Vegas. I only picked the two of them because, like I said, Dallas has been struggling, but they've seemed to be struggling since since going to the Cup. Uh, so I didn't necessarily tag them into these two teams. Um, and I tagged Colorado and Vegas because these are teams that have gone, you know, relatively far well, in the playoffs the last two, three seasons even, especially Vegas. They've not uh, – well, they, they got booted in the first round in 2019, but – you know, other than that, the furthest they've gone was to the cup final. And then before 2021, uh, the, the conference final was as far as they went. So this is a team that, you know, they have, they have the stamina. So. Exactly. They've had the, the, they've demonstrated the stamina, the endurance, uh, and the success to be able to go far in the playoffs. And yes, it's a very early, uh, chunk of the season so far but it, it's it's surprising that they're four they're 500 right now with a four and four record uh, which is ironically the same as colorado because these two teams are you always think of high-powered offense pretty good goaltending uh, to say the least and their their defense too is is solid as well i mean these are teams that are powerhouses you would think but right now they're outside of the playoff line um when you look at Colorado, for example, their their top scorers are McKinnon with he's played six uh six games so far. Only one goal, eight assists for nine points. So he's above a point per game, but one goal is just it's that's not Nathan McKinnon. Um their second leading scorer is JT Comfer, eight games played, four goals, four assists for uh, eight points, and then Gabriel Landis Cog, same thing. He's only played six games, though, with four goals, four assists for eight points. Uh, And Nazem Kadri with uh, eight games played, three goals, three assists for six points. It's, I mean, it's not like their production is bad or anything, but they're struggling for whatever reason. And I felt like moving on from Grubauer, uh, you know, exposing him to Seattle for them to pick up, I feel like that's going to come back and bite them because I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Darcy Kemper. He's been stellar 
Uh, he was stellar with Arizona, and that's a tough team, as you're seeing now, uh, to to be a goaltender for. Uh, and I felt like when he moved to Colorado, I'm like, this might be a time for him to to not break out because he's definitely broken out in the NHL, but certainly be better and certainly be one of the top goaltenders in the league. And you're not seeing that with him. He's He's got seven games played, four wins, three losses a 2.87 uh, goals against average and a 904 save percentage. It's not what you want to see. That's for sure. Uh, and yeah. This team. yeah, no, that's a struggle uh, for sure. And you know what, for mentioning the goalies with <clears throat> Colorado there, it made me also think Philip Grubauer is struggling out in Seattle too, which was not yeah. the case last year. I believe he was the Vesna winner if not a nominee last year. Yeah, um, Flurry won the Vesna, but I believe you're right. Flurry to say that he's a nominee. I, I think he you're was, right to say he's a nominee. It was him, Vasilevsky, and Flurry were the nominees. Yep. So he's a Vesna finalist, and uh, yeah, Seattle is one of those 10, 10 game thus far teams, and they're 3 6 and 1. Um, I did watch their first two periods of their home opener. They look good at home. I will say that. And I don't believe they've had many home games thus far. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Let me quickly look up their uh, standings. Okay. I do believe they're not, they're not, they haven't played more than maybe four home games, I want to say. Yeah, they've they actually played to... exactly four. Okay, they're so there you go. They're two and two at home, but when you look at their away, they're one, four, and one on the road. So they're yeah. definitely a better home team. So let's see how that goes for them. I hope that they can put something together and maybe be a little bit more competitive their first season. I love the colors there. Um, yes. One thing I will be critical about is I feel, I just feel like watching their games and and I feel like it's happening in the arena. And so because I'm not a fan, I'm not experiencing it, but I can see it happening on the television and stuff. But man, they play into like all the memes and all the content that was created, you know, prior to their existence from the community. Um, I haven't really seen them do a whole lot of their own original stuff yet. Like they do the Brandon Tanev side by side. Um, I mean, I don't even think that, that he's the. I don't even think that that photo of him is the first time he's done that in a headshot. So, right, <clears throat> or even or even the first time a player has done that. Yeah, or even that. Um, but I do like their colors. I like their arena as well. I like the the setting of it. Um, they're a new team, so you know I can't slight their fans for for latching onto that stuff that their PR mm-hmm. puts out. It's it's um you know it's easy content. It's funny nonetheless. Uh, but I do look forward to to seeing them continue to play. It's tough. They are out in the West Coast, so their home games are are typically on later in the night. Yeah. Uh, so you know you don't get to watch as many of them. But that is a team that I'm looking forward to maybe seeing put you know this season back together but specifically really <clears throat> channel a lot of whatever they can amount this season through their home games yeah so, and so look to my, them for that. my point with seattle too was and i'm glad you brought it up because i don't know what for i don't know 
why this started floating around, uh, especially after the draft and even prior to the draft. Um, but everybody seemed to, whether it was analysts or fans of the of the NHL, they all seemed to be in line that, yep, yeah, so Seattle should be as good as Vegas did. And they're, <laughs> and that, like, I'm just thinking, like, you think Seattle's going to be as good as Vegas was in their first year? Like, that's your expectation? I never knew where people got that from. To me, it never stuck out. Like this team had to be as good as Vegas because they're in, they were a new when expansion team. This, you said this was before the expansion draft. This was before the expansion draft, and even talks about it after the expansion draft. I, I was so hearing I, people okay, say that. So I will pump the brakes on the talk before the expansion draft because if you go back to our expansion draft episode, there was a lot of it wasn't the same as the Vegas one. We knew a lot of the the trades that were made and the guys that were protected from those trades leading into Vegas's expansion draft. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any of that going into Seattle's. So by and large, Seattle on paper before the expansion draft should have, I would have expected them to put a, a pretty similar, maybe not postseason run, but a pretty similar regular season performance uh, in their inaugural season paralleled to like Vegas did in 2018 after the draft though, totally different story. Uh, And I agree with you there. I don't know. I still feel like even before, even before the draft, like they're they're a brand new team. What are the odds of that? What would the odds of that happening again be? But that's what I'm saying. Before the expansion draft happened, I'm giving the I'm giving the critics the benefit of the doubt because oh, the names I that see. were available to to be right. picked from. I mean, we put some bomb teams together because we didn't know, you know, those trades that were done on the side to protect different guys. Right. Um, we didn't see all that stuff come out, so we didn't put together a team that ended up being pretty, you know. Uh, true to what ended up being their expansion draft, but after, like I say, after the expansion draft, I'm not defending anybody anymore. I yeah. think if you're still talking that you expect Seattle to be what Vegas was after their inaugural performance, that's a steep order. That is a very steep order to fill. Yeah, and the other thing too is, is like I feel with Seattle you could look at their lineup and you could compare it to Vegas and say like, well, yeah, there are some guys that, you know, they're, they were the misfits or they were the outcasts of their team. Hence the reason why they were picked. But with Vegas, it was just, how, how could that possibly happen again? I mean, yes, we went through and made some really good teams for Seattle, but what we didn't really go over. Well, we we actually kind of did when we broke it down, but a lot of those guys were UFAs which meant Seattle would have True. to dole out money to them. They wouldn't, they weren't on a contract True. for Seattle to pick. And that's why you saw them make the picks that they made. I mean, for God's sakes, they picked Gord. Um, I think they picked Gord for Tampa when they had uh, Andre Palat available, Killorn available. But those were guys that either were going to be UFAs or, you know, had expiring contracts after this season. So I, I feel like, that's why you didn't see them pick some of the players that they did. And to your That's other point, point, to your other point as well, um, they had side deals already done. <clears throat> you know, I mean, we knew the player, we knew Seattle's team 
before this draft happened, which that pissed me off, by the way, to go on a little tangent. That was the I dumbest thing. I forgot about that. that. That was the dumbest thing that any insider ever did. I, talking Elliot Friedman, Darren Dreger, um, Bob McKenzie, all those guys. They, they spoiled this draft, which, you know, I think hurt Seattle a lot uh, as far as involvement and sort of fan interaction as a whole, because what would be the point of watching that draft? You know, for all the events that they had planned, all the player interviews that they were going to have with with um, their new players, their new team, the uh, jersey reveal as well. Like, it just took away from that experience. And you're just like, why did you why did you shoot yourself in the foot there? You know, it's like you should have told the insiders that they couldn't break, you know, certain trades, certain picks. Yeah, non-disclosures. Like, you can do that. You didn't even have to do that. The draft was to allow that but you know to get off that tangent seattle i'm i'm not too shocked with the way their season's going so far i don't know if i see them picking it up um just because this is just a new team it's it's 32 guys from either 31 or 32 guys from different teams they're building chemistry um i'd give seattle a couple more years for them to finally be in the the rankings of, of vegas um especially with their inaugural season, you know, it's, it's, it's a little too soon to, to make those predictions, but you want to know what's too soon. I think they have two retired numbers already. They have at least one. I know. Yeah. They, yeah. They also had a banner that went up for their, Oh, that's what it was. Cup. <laughs> I was like two banners. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how I felt about that. I was kind of just like, and they retired okay. the thirty. They retired number thirty-two for being the thirty-second team inaugurated into the NHL. Yeah, that's just you see what cringy. I mean by yeah. You see what I mean by like the PR department putting out some like lackluster content and yeah, like lackluster no, I, engagement with the fans. Yeah, I do not like that. Yeah, but what I do like is they had a lot of Seattle natives and Seattle. Um, uh, players like they had you don't follow football at all but there's a big wide receiver from the seattle seahawks called dj metcalf he was there yeah, for the dude, first he, i think game. he was a virginia tech hokey was he really let me or, look that up no 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 he, cam chancellor was he a seahawk yeah, oh i think you're right yeah cam chancellor i think you're right let me look yeah i don't know football at all that's my bad I'm sorry, no, all you, heads that are screaming at me for incorrectly. Calling no, no, you you redeem yourself. You redeem yourself. Cam Chancellor was a Virginia Tech Hokie. I'm wiping my forehead. <laughs> so you shot yourself in the foot with uh, DJ <laughs> and then DJ I Metcalf, but you, poured vodka. You provide, yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 did surgery on yourself to get the bullet out and sew yourself back up. Um, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens with Seattle. Uh, again, it's their first season. I don't have a lot of expectations for them. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me if they missed the playoffs, but there are some people who would be. And, you know, if that's the way they feel, that's the way they feel. But I will now go into the other uh, recently expanded uh, team, which is Vegas. Um, and I think Vegas, it's it's more surprising that they are worse, or at least in the same boat, as Seattle, as far as doing badly, um, because like I said, they're a powerhouse. Anytime you go into uh, 
Stanley Cup odds, they're always the highest. Um, sometimes they're always the highest odd. They have the highest odds to win the Stanley Cup um, because their their team is just well-rounded. Their top six, their defensive core, especially after picking up Martinez and uh, Petrangelo has just solidified. And goaltending, um, that, that was great too. Even though they lost Flurry, the Vesna winner, they still – had Robin Leonard, who was good, but you know, you look at them now and it, it's, it's wild. I mean, you look at their top two, there's a huge gap between points. So their number one point getter right now is Chandler Stevenson, eight games played four goals with five assists for nine points. Then their next guy, their second guy has four points in eight games played. There is a five point difference between one and two on this roster. Not only um, that, but there's your best point getter is a one point a game player right now. The next best is in every other guy. Yeah, exactly. That's another comparison to me. Yeah. Um, that, that's what sticks out to me. Another stick out is Pacioretty, um, William Carlson, who's actually just, he broke his foot. So he's, he's out for a, a four to six weeks. Um, those guys aren't producing much. Mark Stone doesn't even have a goal yet. You know, uh, who's the other top top couple of guys? Martinez, who's like one of their top defenders. Again, no goal. You know, it's it's definitely starting to get worrisome for Vegas. Uh, I felt I like this was going to catch up to them, though. Um, you know, we always said that Vegas hasn't had that season where season of heartbreak or season of, you know, missing the playoffs. It's not to say that their fans are spoiled, but their fans have never seen them not make the playoffs. And you knew that was going to come sooner rather than later. And who knows, this might be the season that happens. Um, this top six should be producing more than, you know, two goals a game. Their their top guy is four and Chandler Stevenson. Their next guy has only two. And then Jonathan Marshall only has two. And then you go further and further down and it, it's one and zero. Um and goaltending again, that's that's been an issue for them. Robin Leonard's starting to struggle. He's got a three and four uh, record right now with exactly three goals against, with a nine ten save percentage. Um, they picked up Rossois, which was the backup to Halibut in Winnipeg. He's only played one game; it was a win, but he's got a goals against average of two point nine seven and a uh, a save percentage of nine twenty. So, goaltending's been a huge issue for them, uh, at least so far. And then just the lack of scoring. It's it's almost like they're the Islanders, but the Islanders have better goaltending. So it, it's definitely worrisome if you're a Vegas fan because this is not the team that you probably expected to come out of the gate. Oh, damn it. Sorry, I was um I was getting some water for myself. <laughs> Yeah, Vegas, Vegas is, uh, I agree. Vegas is finally having a season of adversity. That's what we could call it. Yeah. Um, Not yet a season of heartbreak, not yet a season of turmoil. Um, but it's definitely some adversity. Uh, Robin Leonard is a good goalie. He's a great guy in general, in my opinion. Um, does a lot for mental health, uh, a lot of advocacy for it. So you got to respect the guy there. But when it comes down to to uh, goaltending, 
I, I feel that he can sometimes be a lackluster goalie, depending on <clears throat> on how his performance is going for the season. And he's just not able to put it together this season, at, at least as, at the level that he has in the past with them. Um, they're, they're going through a lot of adversity because you're naming all those guys off, and I think maybe two or three of them are still original Knights. And it's only been three years, four years. Uh, so that, four. you know, that's a hit. Four. That's something that, that should hit you. It's, it's tough. That team has been broken up a lot. Um, and it also, they go, they go to the Stanley Cup finals and they lose their inaugural season. And then the team starts changing and what begins to happen, their result every year begins to decline. Um, yeah. I don't have a whole lot to add. Their their production no. needs to come up. They don't. No, they don't. They're not, it's not even a depth issue right now. It's a who wants to score issue right now. Judging yeah. from what you were telling me mm-hmm. with the stats. And now that you've, uh, you know, we're pretty much uh, done with Vegas and their their sort of woes right now that they're facing. There's rumors, and you know, I use this word with a grain of salt lightly because the rumors are involving Jack Eichel. And how many times have we heard Jack Eichel rumors? Uh, but anyway, the latest rumor is, you know, the Golden Knights are talking about acquiring him. Uh, and he's got $10 million on the cap. So if he comes across, Vegas is going to be in a very, very tight cap space position. Um, I will quickly look up their cap uh, space right now. Keeping in mind that it should have... Uh, Carlson's contract off the books because he'll be out for an extended period of time. Um, but looking real quick, their their cap hit is $87.9 million, but six of that is going to their caps, their LTIR. So that's off the books. So they are right. below the cap. Um, but again, adding... Jack Eichel would put you $10 million over the cap and you'd have to find ways to get rid of 10 million. And the only way to do that is to trade away <clears> players <throat> and not um, draft picks. Well, well, can they have Buffalo retain any of his salary? Yeah, they could do that. Um, I've not seen an, I've not heard or seen this rumor that um, teams are looking for Buffalo to retain any part of his salary. I have not, I've never seen that in any of these trade rumor mills, but mm-hmm. it always seems like it only goes as far as Jack Eichel might be linked to here. That is and such a it, big it's, contract, though. It's huge. I mean, I it's... And he's, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he's just such a question mark player right now. Right now. No, he is. With that injury, that injury could... It's making or breaking his, his career. We talked about this privately, too, where... You know, I was saying that there's a chance his career could end right here because teams are going to be on the fence on whether or not they want him to get the surgery that puts an artificial disc in his neck or, you know, does the typical surgery where, you know, they just try and fix the disc or put some sort of I don't know, because this isn't a rod or screw type of issue when you break your bone. This is this is your spinal cord. Um, I forget. It's not the one where they like fuse some of your discs together, is it? It might be that with a metal 
I knew I know metal's a part of it because okay. um when Eichel was trying to make his case with the Sabres, he didn't want to get that surgery because he talked to a couple of doctors that said when you get that surgery that either fuses your discs together. Um, there's some sort of metal that's added into your spinal cord so they stay together and that metal obviously will you know it's going to rust out or it's going to get old and you'll have to have it replaced so it's his it's his main proponent as to why he doesn't want to get that i see but at the same time nobody has gotten the artificial neck surgery that he wants so there's a huge risk factor involved okay which is why Given the way that Buffalo's handled this situation and just the unfortunate injury he's had, it's possible his career is just done right here. So the it's not even a surgery and it could just be a total bust, right? Right. You know, I mean, it's it's not even the surgery. You know, if he say he gets the artificial neck surgery. okay, great. He's out for call it six months Um, after the six months. Now he's got to go through rehab, you know. Because I'm sure after surgery, he cannot move his neck, you know, a certain way Mm -hmm. for a period of time. So forget about being on the ice, you know. And then finally, when he's able to be cleared on the ice, there's no way he's going to be able to just go on the ice and play. So he'll definitely have to be rehabbed. I mean, there's a chance that you probably won't even see Eichel play, I would say, at the very minimum, this whole season. He's probably out for this whole season, regardless of if he were to get the surgery now. Or, you know, say in January. A month ago. Yeah, or a month (laughs) ago, yeah. So, you know, everybody can look at it as, you know, Buffalo's mishandling the situation. But the bottom line is his career could be over just with the injury he got and how rare of an an injury uh, it was. So, So for Vegas to be looking interested in him is just, to me, it's a huge risk factor because, like I said, if he doesn't recover from this injury, um, you know, not only is he money on the cap, but you probably he probably won't play this season. And then next season, will he be as good as he used to be? It, it's just it's huge right now. And I, I don't feel like Vegas uh, or any team for that matter can really make a trade where they end up winning. I see. OK, that's a good yeah. point to be made. Yeah, I, I think why I think that's why you're not even seeing a lot of interest in Eichel. at least at least it's at least going to be a trade that is an investment trade. It's a trade that you're not expecting yeah. any returns on until eight, ten, whatever, you know, call it whatever you want. Pick a number, pick a number of months that you want to wait for this return on. Mm-hmm. Um but it's going to be an investment type trade, and it's and because of that, because there's so much time between when it will be paying off and when you're when you're committing to it, um, that is the risk factor. That it, it's enlarged right there because that's a whole lot of time that you can. And to your point, it's a lot of money that you're going to misplace for a pretty long time. So yeah, yeah, this this is a sticky situation and for him. It's it's not, it's nothing that people seem to talk about. Um, when when they bring up this topic of of Eichel, and it's actually very funny. Um, I go to SUNY Cortland. I work with the hockey team. I do a lot of film for them, and I never heard that side of the argument until um, I heard a Rangers fan talk to our head coach of the hockey team. His name is Joseph Cartarelli, uh, and Cartarelli was the one who Coach Cartarelli was the one to point out that this could be the end of Eichel. 
you know, the way that it's being dealt with and the sort of prolonged yeah. injury that's aching him, it, it could, it's a career ender possibly. And it finally added that sort of perspective because everyone's just like, oh, Michael should get the surgery and then he'll be fine. You know, you never understood that this injury could be career ending, even if he got a surgery, because again, rehab and we discussed it just then. I mean, rehab and all that stuff, surgery, it's going to take a while and he's going to, he's not going to be able to train. Um, I, from what I've heard, and I think we mentioned this on, on another podcast, he even has limited restriction right now in his neck. So there's like certain movements and certain motions that he can't do to a certain extent because of just the injury he has. So, you know what, man, here's what the guy should do. If he wants to get out from underneath this, take the time off, you know, walk away from the team, do something to get the surgery you want. If it works out, it works out and come back into the league at like, a moderate price, like what Brady does or what Brady, Tom Brady did leading up until he went to the Bucks. Be a a a, a salary cap friendly guy. And that might yeah. that might save the career if if he does that. Because then A, it gets the surgery. I mean, that's the first thing that needs to happen. That's the first domino that needs to fall. <laughs> is yep. he needs to have a surgery. Like you said, he's he's limited right now with what he can do with his neck. Um, so that needs to be corrected first and foremost. And the longer he waits on that, who knows what more that jeopardizes or who knows what level of success it might deplete the surgery to. You don't know those kind of things. So yeah, it's too bad he can't just pull the trigger and say, you know what, Buffalo doesn't if if I get the surgery without Buffalo's approval, they write they're, you know, they're basically firing me per se. Well, Jack, go out and get fired, man. You're just too expensive of a guy right now, I think. Yeah. And, and so get that surgery, start getting rehabbed, and then you can come back into the league and be um be friendly about it, you know? Get yeah. take a five million dollar contract here. Or if your skills aren't quite there, come in at like a million dollars or a million and a half. Like work it out. Like money well, isn't everything, you know? Right. And here's the other thing too. If they were to fire him, they'd have to buy out his contract you know because he's still on contract for another five more years so he'll be getting paid that 10 million and then to your point come on on a deal that's that's friendly you know i mean he's he's wanted to play in boston i'm pretty sure um because he played there i think so. he played college there uh, yeah. i'm sure i mean there have never been rumors of him linked to boston but I got to imagine he enjoyed his time in Boston when he played in college and then let alone play <clears throat> professionally for the Bruins, Boston's, you know, national hockey league affiliate. The he's got to He's got to There's got to be interest there. And that's a team that, you know, if you, if there's one team in the league that has team friendly contracts, enjoys. it's the Bruins. Yep. It's yep. the Bruins. That's so a very good point, dude. Sign a three and a half million, $4 million deal with the Bruins you know, see where and you're have at. A 25, you can have a 20, 25 goal season. You, if you come back in time, Pasta's still there. Hall's still there. Bergeron and Marshawn are still there. Right. Yeah. I think we just cracked the case, man. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's not, it's something nobody talks about because it's, it's to people, it's very black and white. It's either Jack Eichel gets the surgery he wants, or he's going to go to another team and play for them. But, you know, I'm looking at, 
at it with a perspective of throwing the injury in and possibly making this a career ending injury has made it a very gray area. You know, you've kind of mixed mm. both of those things together and you're like, this isn't very, this isn't very black as white as some people see it. This injury is, it's never happened to a professional athlete in the history of. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's never happened. <laughs> How it's, isn't this being talked about more seriously, dude? I have no idea. I have no idea. But the other thing, too, is that I did hear that I think a UFC fighter, a former UFC fighter, had the same injury. He went and got the artificial surgery, and, you know, he's, he's still Eichel able wants. to play. Yeah. Okay. That's the one that Eichel wants, and either he's still able to play, or if he's not playing still in the UFC, he's at least uh, recovered enough to be at full health. Um, so to your point, I would just say, like, Either or somebody on this, like either Buffalo, the organization or Jack Eichel and his team needs to just pull the trigger already. You know, something's got to happen because if Eichel was really worried about playing and all that, he would just say, fuck it. You know, Buffalo, I'm leaving you and I'm just going to get the surgery. Because he's a good enough player. That's the yeah. thing. He He's a good enough brand. He's been in the league. He, he has captain experience in Buffalo. He's a goal scorer. Like, if you, if you just go ahead with the surgery and you get the injury off the books, you get the, uh, the dollar sign that's associated to, to you off the books, then what risk is there, you know? Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's too bad. It, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot more logistics or behind the scenes stuff that we aren't aware of that, you know, his agent deals with with the league. I'm sure there's a lot of that. But like this is it's it's not only your career, it's it's your life. Livelihood. I mean these these guys not even just livelihood, man. These guys make it to the league. It, it, it's you're achieving something that a very select few people over the course of history get to achieve just making it into this league. And then to be able to, to become such a young uh, captain for, for a team one day, one year, and to be the goal scorer that you are in such a trashy franchise in Buffalo is another thing. And so then what left is there to have a championship, right? Yeah. Or 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 at least the site of the postseason for him. Um, so he's been in the league for long enough now where it, it's like Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall was the number one pick, and how much money was he getting way back then? And now he's he's come down on it. He he isn't an injured or he has been injured. He has remember he took the skate to the face that first year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Oh my god. So yeah. Yeah, so he's come down on his price, and look where you look what that's lent him. He's he's got a chance now with Boston. Even even though that Boston is kind of struggling right now, he's seen the playoffs with them. He you know he was traded at the trade deadline last year, so he did get a taste of the playoffs. He knows what it's like now. He probably wants to get back, and I think Eichel could end up in the same position. Um, but obviously, he needs to get out from underneath the situation he's in right now. Yeah. And like, here's the other part, just, you know, spitballing here, but, you know, it plays out. Eichel gets the artificial surgery. He moves on from Buffalo. Um, You know, he fully recovers from his injury and then he's looking to come back into the league. You know, 
on a team-friendly contract? Because could you imagine him on Edmonton? You know, a team that yeah. they have two top centers in Dreisaitl and McDavid, but when they struggle, they have to put the two of them together. And their center depth outside of those two guys is horrid. So imagine him with that team. All right, now let's play out another scenario. Same uh, Providence in Canada will move to, to Calgary. Another team that's had such poor center depth. They, they've desperately needed a number one center for the longest time now. Imagine him on that team with a team-friendly contract. Yeah. Imagine him with Colorado and imagine him with Boston. I mean, hell, we'll even throw Toronto in there. You know, shit, and- if he's on a team-friendly contract, they'll be under the cap. But those teams would be powerhouses with, and with not Jack Nick- Eichel. Not only that, but if you become if you become cap friendly enough, you can go to the t- you can go to Tampa, you could go to Carolina, you could you could add depth into teams that have so much depth they just sweat depth. Like, yeah, yeah, I even forgot about Tampa. You could that's... really really reinvigorate the trajectory of your career. You know, it's tough enough when you're one of the best players coming into whatever league it is for whatever major sport. Because you always end up going to probably the worst team in that league, right? And you have to make something yeah. of it. And some guys get, you know, some guys get out and ahead of it, and they do find that success. And some guys just don't. And unfortunately, Eichel hasn't found that team success yet. Um, and and additionally, he's been greedy in trying to do it. You know, a ten million dollar contract is just under an eighth of a team's salary cap in the NHL. That's that that is a lot of money in the NHL is it might be hard to fathom for some people but in this isn't the NFL, this isn't the NBA where your all-star guy makes 30 or 40 million dollars a year. This is a league where it's just it's this is why GM of the year is so it can be a pretty uh, prestigious award to get because you're not just playing with players' talent and the chemistry that you're creating between all those guys, but you're also watching the books while you're doing it. And no other major league sport in America can say that. I mean, I guess there's a salary cap in baseball, but you know, you just pay a few luxury tax fees every yeah, year when you get around. Was, that. There's no salary cap. In the- yeah, I was just going to say with baseball, it's not necessarily salary cap. It's just once you go past a certain amount, you get luxury taxed, which, you know, again, it's not, I mean, to your point, you know, you, oh, you pay that luxury tax and it's fine. You know, and then as far as the NFL goes, I don't know if they're even in a, a salary cap. I don't know their situation. But there the contracts is, they give a out. Salary cap, and here I, I saved a graphic a while ago because I thought we might end up talking about it. Here it is. You ready? Yeah. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes' annual earnings are more than the operating income for 16 NHL teams in 2020. Patrick Mahomes, the individual, was paid more than the operating income. Of 16 NHL franchises now, in 2020. Now, to clarify, that is his his contract total, not his yearly annual says, salary. Oh, that's a good point. It does say annual earnings. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say, I know he signed a huge contract. Um, was it a 15-year deal, I want to say? 15? Um, <laughs> let me, let me look. Kovalchuk? What, 
<laughs> let me let me look up his contract real quick. Actually, I like to your point. I don't know anything about football. I'm sort of. Wait, I was it. talking. I was talking to Dave and like throwaway guys in the NBA are like 10 to $9 million contracts. Yeah. And the NHL throwaway guys, like, like bench guys, you know? Yeah. All right. Let me, let me look up his contract real quick. Okay. Not a, not a 15 year. It was a 10 million, but it was a 503 million annual salary. So he's getting paid um, five 50.3 a year. Right. 50.3, which is, it's crazy enough. I mean, that's more than McDavid, Tavar. That's more than the big four in Toronto. And and you could call it the big five now with Morgan Riley. It's still, he still makes more than all those guys combined. Uh, But yeah, the, the, the NFL, I don't even know if they have a salary cap. I got to imagine they're handy. Yeah. Okay. They do. I know they do because they talk about it on the radio a lot and that was that was the whole thing with brady is that brady was always taking wow um he wasn't taking like cuts but he was right. constantly not making nearly the amount of money that he could have if he wanted yeah. to and yeah. he did that so that you know the the front offices could go out and get weaponry to put with him kind yeah. of thing yeah that their salary cap is 182 and a half million dollars um, and then there's, and it's a there's much also, bigger roster, so it, yeah, there's also that playing in. But yeah, and my other point was going to be, um, oh man, what was it going to be? Shit. Oh, guaranteed money. Like you know how there's a contract. Oh yep. I don't know what the guaranteed money is. I forget what that is for players. Like it's not. It's not like that in the NHL. Um. Because you're always it might guaranteed. Be like based off of your performance, like where I your team ends up. I feel like or that's their, Adam Devine would say on the "This is Important" podcast. Quarantine. Quarantine. That's how I figured out how to spell that word. I learned how to spell it when they started their podcast last year. <laughs> there you go. You learned to spell. Look at you, <laughs> little engine that could. You never thought. Yeah. I, never thought I'd be able to hear you say you knew how to spell something. I don't think anybody did. My doctors didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Parents definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, no, with that being said, I mean, I think we pretty much wrapped it up here. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's still early in the season. These teams could pop off that we said, you know, probably won't. And then vice versa. You never know with the NHL. It has a lot of parity in it. Um, you know, there's a chance that Buffalo keeps up at pace with the team that they have now, who knows, you know, but the only way to find out is to keep watching. Um, I'll quickly look at the games for tonight. I know Buffalo plays San Jose tonight. I was, I was going to say it's kind of late. We probably won't post this in time. Do you want to just read tomorrow's games? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 I've got them. If you want me to do it. Oh yeah. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So at eight these are all Eastern standard time at eight 30. Carolina is playing Chicago. Uh, Carolina's 8-0-0 against a 1-7-2 Chicago Blackhawks. Um, slam the Chicago, Chicago. Blackhawks. <laughs> if you're a betting man, slam Chicago to win. I don't, I don't think they're going to be playing a whole lot of Chelsea Dagger tomorrow night. <laughs> um, then Nashville, a 4-4-0, is playing against, wow, a red-hot Edmonton, 7-1-0. That one yeah, kind man. of fell under my radar at 8-30. 
Um, nine o'clock, we have Columbus at a Columbus of five three and zero against Colorado of four four and zero, and then at ten there's the Blues and Kings six one and zero for the Blues three five and one for the Kings. That'll probably be a pretty good game. I was going to uh, say Kings that, that might be start. a good game. Yeah, Kings are going to be looking for a pivotal movement here to start edging up into the playoffs. That'll be a good one. Um, yeah, I would agree. One thing I want to say, and I just want to throw it out: if anyone follows our uh, the podcast Instagram, and um, if Nick, you get a post up about it, if anyone's listening, go back to that post for this episode and comment. What was I going to say? Son of a bitch. I was going to say, oh, ESPN Plus. Anyone who's doing the ESPN Plus, let me know your thoughts about it. I'm going to reserve mine right now because I don't want the bias there. Um, okay. But I'll give my my thoughts and opinion on the ESPN Plus subscription now. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll add it to the Instagram post when I uh, post it on social media. Um, but yeah, I think I... I will hold my judgment as well. Yeah, uh, let's talk no about bias, that. The- but I would be interested to see. I've talked about it with a lot of people too. But yeah, comment on on how you how you like ESPN Plus so far, because um, yeah, I, I would like to get feedback on that as well. Um, but you know, with that being said, we'll wrap it up here. Um, uh, the games are for tomorrow, but there are games tonight if you want to watch. As always, uh, t- tomorrow sounds like a light night. Um, for mm-hmm. hockey so it seems like there's yeah. seems there's a lot more games on tonight um but regardless enjoy the games enjoy the season i i'm glad we're back and i'm sure no matter how bad or good your team's doing you're at least happy that the season started so you know with that Amen. being said have a great day peace out everyone peace out and enjoy